to another edition of Let Me Tell You Something as we do our year-long series of mini-episodes, well not mini-episodes, but shortened uh, episodes, as myself, Lorcamola, and my co-host, Simon Cross, work on our Meltzer 5-star project, going through every match that we can find that Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer has rated 5 stars or higher, matches that either are perfect or have exceeded perfection in the eyes of the sainted one, uh, Father Meltzer. And we've got, uh, we're coming towards some quite significant uh, entry points. I suppose it's quite appropriate as we've just gone past the halfway point of the year. We're sort of at the halfway point of the list. It's all dependent upon what Meltzer does in the next few weeks with the how highly he rates the um, a, a time of recording, probably not a time of release, the uh, G1 Climax. I think it will be coming towards its well, it'll yeah. be somewhere around its halfway point or so. I think by the time we release this, um, Simon, we also have the final five matches involving all the J- four matches. Sorry, involving all Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, we have, and it's also coming towards the end. We are only. Uh, Nine episodes away from having no more of the four pillars of heaven that have been a dominant part of the past 20, 30 episodes or so of this series. Uh, we have recently bade for farewell to Manami Toyota, the female wrestler with the most five-star matches, with eight. And tonight we are leaving behind two more five-star wrestlers, one of whom currently, at the time of recording, holds the fifth highest number of five-star matches. Well, equal fourth, but if we're going to prioritise singles matches, he falls behind his current equal of 14 five-star matches with Kazuchika Okada, and that's one Akira Tawe. And we're also saying farewell to his partner and the third highest collector of five-star matches, Toshiaki Kawada, the man who's part of the match that at the current point of our listings, we've both agreed was involved in the greatest wrestling match on this series of episodes, perhaps ever, against Mitsuhara Misawa, who is on... And in terms of my... uh, Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, in terms of my personal list, both men have sat at the top spot um, for my top tens in the past as well. Mm -hmm. Um, When they were much, much younger as well. Yes. And let's see if this is a fitting end, because once again they are facing off against Mitsuhara Misawa and his current partner... 
the uh, super uh, rising hot prospect Junakiyama, the best of his young generation, by far going out quicker and, and raising high in the ranks a lot quicker than either, any of these other three men had. Well, Akira Tawe had quite a quick ascent as well. Um, I think it's a bit of a shame. This is probably the weakest of the three of the matches that Akiyama Misawa have with Kawada and Tawe, in my opinion. I don't know if you agree with that. This one being the final of the 1997 World's Strongest Tag League. Um, I think what I what what I feel is that it almost feels like the the series would have been better suited if they'd gone three two one almost. Because we started off in our run with uh, Misawa and Akiyama winning the world tag titles. And uh, Jun Akiyama having his big coming out, scoring the victory over Toshiaki Kawada. Then in the yeah. second match, it's sort of a mega epic match. Uh, I rated that one five stars. Uh, I think you might have rated the first one five stars. Uh, where Kawada and Tawe are able to claim the uh, world tag team titles back. And then we've had this one, which ends with Kawada and Tawe yet again winning the uh, World Tag League. Yeah. Uh, so it feels almost like, and, and and they get the big, and it ends with uh, Akiyama getting pinned. And it feels like, compared to the the series that we saw with Masara and Kabashi, which was building up to Kabashi getting that victory, yes. and then that then following on to all the subsequent matches, like they both would, where they would share victories and and draws. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's also maybe just a problem with us just watching the five star matches and not seeing the four and a half star or four and three quarter star or four and a quarter or whatever star matches mm. that will have punctuated in between and will probably add more to the layers of the story that we're not seeing necessarily. But no, in terms of what we have seen, um, you're right. It's a case of if you follow those three matches the chase has its conclusion at the start. Mm. Like it, it should go. Akiyama gets closer and closer and closer and then gets a win. And so it means more. Mm. This may well have been what did happen, but obviously we, we are just seeing the narrative in these three like little spots throughout the timeline. Um, it's an interesting dynamic in terms of the match, just how, um, how much more Akiyama's sort of respected compared to match one. Yes, but he's also still presented as the clear fourth uh, placed figure in the match. Yeah. He, he is susceptible to being uh, isolated, although Masara is the first one to be isolated out of his team, but it's, it's Akiyama that gets in trouble. It's Masawa that's constantly trying to bail him out, and ultimately you can't do it enough at, by the end. Yeah, ultimately loses whilst just watching from the apron. Uh, because an interesting new habit that's forming in these matches, based off of the previous match we saw as well, Masawa Kawada, is the matches aren't being won with the big murder-death-kill-evil finisher. Instead, it's like it's chopping down a redwood tree and you get the final chop. Might not be the strongest one that you've had, but mm. it's the one that's finally enough to tip it over. And that's not a Tiger Driver or a 91 where you've been dropped on your head or, or you know, multiple power bombs or... Don or an apron dun-dun. Yeah. Instead, it's just Tawei hitting him with a with a charging boot to the face. Yeah. Just like I in mean, the previous match, it was won by Misawa just elbowing Kawada until Kawada couldn't stand up anymore. Yeah. Although, God, Misawa's... It's weird with Misawa's elbows. They... they 
are equally finishes but not finishes. Mm. You know what I mean? It's sort of like... Well, he hits uh, so many of them during the match, it's, but it's not a sense of overuse like a Brock Lesnar suplex. It feels yeah. like it works with him. It's like a jab that a boxer has. Yeah, because like he's got so many of, variants. Yeah, yeah, He's got like a quick elbow. An uppercut, uh, roaring elbow, uppercut elbow. spins. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the jumping one. Sometimes he'll do it to the back of the head or, you know, hit a combo of quick ones. Jaws, side of the heads. Mm. Like, he's got variants. Whereas with Brock, there is only so many ways you can grab a man by his waist and chuck him over your head. He essentially only does German suplexes. Uh, One thing I did actually realise after the fact is I don't have any big head drops noted. I think Kawada does a dangerous backdrop at one point to Akiyama. But I don't actually have like a big in in capitalist head drops because I guess this is also one that's worth talking in the um in the shadow of the previous Masawa Kawada ninety seven match that we both found probably the most disappointing of all the all Japan yeah. matches because it seemed to rely on shortcuts and too many head drops. This doesn't do that. It goes back to that. It reverts back to that classic formula more so of it just being a contest that, that gradually builds over time. Uh, maybe it's I, I don't know. Maybe it's because Tawei and Akiyama aren't really as keen to be dropping their heads as much, or uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, maybe the maybe they just don't think it's the right place to do it for the story that this one's being told. Well, if you look at Tawei's finisher, you, it's, you're going to struggle to drop a man on his head from like giving him a dom dom. Mm. I'm sure it's not impossible. Find a way. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it stretch your imagination. And with the exploder, the way Akiyama hits it, you mm. kind of have to take a back bump rather than a head bump. Yeah, yeah. Akiyama's uh, suplexing fools all over the place during this match. Um, but yeah, it is funny how they all have their sort of reliance, what they rely on. With Kawada, it's kicks, and if he can hit you with the power bomb, that's the key move for him. Uh, and yeah. Just kicks and pa- you know, kicks and strikes. Uh, his flying kicks, particularly uh, deadly, sort of the Inzaguri kick. Tawei's uh, mm. finding more and more ways to dond on you in some part of the ring. There's yeah. a great part towards the start where, again, Tawei, like, Kawada's not able to take control of things, so Tawei tags in, uh, boots Misawa, baits Junakiyama into the ring, and then drops him neck first on the top rope. Oh, yeah. Um, then he tries to do snake eyes to Masawa in the corner. Masawa dodges that, but Tawei sees the elbow coming, ducks it, and turns it into a don-don into the corner. I do love his corner don-dons as well. And I was thinking, um, you know, I said in the recent one that I thought that Tawei was like the MVP of the match, the man of the match. Yeah. Because he's like, Kawada can sometimes lose his head, and Tawei's like the calming influence. And this is the analogy I think I finally got for what I think... Tawei is to wrestling tag team matches what Michael Carrick used to be to the Man United team. The calm <laughs> centre in the middle that can suddenly take control of things when they've gone wrong and put everyone yeah. in the right place and, and start again. Hold the ball and get it to the right but bit. But never gets the plaudits compared to all the other people around him who are a lot more flashy and they get to score all the goals. Yeah. What do you think? No, it makes sense. You don't often see deep line playmakers get uh, <laughs> ballon doors. Uh, so, yeah, it checks out. I, um, I just imagine, I'm just picturing Tawei just sat in the middle of the United uh, midfield now. Giving advice to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer on the touchline now. 
Dun Dun the cunt. You can't solve everything with Dun Dun's tower. <laughs> but yeah, the key story, like I said, that it seems weirdly backwards that the story of this match is how much Misawa's having to try and save Akiyama. He, like, several times he tries to roll, roll him into the corner and Taue and, and Kawada keep preventing him from doing that. Yeah. And uh, Akiyama has all the eagerness in the world, but he ultimately does get overwhelmed. Uh, and Kawada and Taue... But they aren't, like you say, they aren't affronted. So there's not that cool sort of where they just start slapping the shit out of him in the first match because they're so insulted that he's dead to... So, they, like you say, they respect world. him more. But because of that, it yes. kind of takes out that that interesting way that underdog. they play the dynamic. Yeah, yeah he's not an out-and-out underdog. He's just, like, fourth best. Just not quite as he's, good, he's, yeah. He's, yeah, he's, he's Andy Murray. He's not... He's not... Um, unlikely guy reaches the semi-finals on a, on a semi-fluke. He's just the fourth best guy at the time when he's surrounded by some of the best people in the world, you know? And possibly ever, if you... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really have much... It kind of covers everything. There's a really cool bit, again, where Taube goes for the, the apron don-don, and uh, Kawada and Akiyama start brawling with each other because Akiyama's desperately trying to stop it from happening, but Misawa's able to elbow out of it. Yeah. And then plants, uh, then does like a rolling somersault to Tawei on the outside. I like that. That that was a cool bit there. I like. So I guess uh, it's kind of like again, like when they did that in the previous match, they were able to then beat the shit out of Masao and, and use him up, and and like that meant Akiyama was like limited to try and stop them, and they ended up getting the win on Misawa. So I guess because they weren't able to hit their deadly hit move on Misawa, it became more about yeah. trying to momentarily stop him whilst they took out. Akiyama instead, and um, yeah, it's what it's because the finish. It's Masawa's like countered a double powerbomb attempt. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, bare elbows everywhere. Yeah, but what I love about that is that he gets hit during the exchange. He like yeah. elbows Kawada, turns to Tawei, Tawei boots him in the face. He sort of uses that momentum whilst he's been hit to hit Kawada again. <laughs> yeah, like Kawada's like, why do I keep getting hit? <laughs> what? what? Why do you hate me? <laughs> yeah, that's a really cool sequence. That the the the, the Hurricane Runner out of the power bomb. That he also sort of turns into an arm drag on Tawei as he's doing it as well. So yeah. cool. There's the and then straight after that, uh, just because I really just love the finishing sequence. Tawei's. Hit, hits a Dondon on Akiyama, goes for another one. Akiyama hits his finisher, and then Tawei hits another Dondon, and then it's the big boot that finishes him, which very much points to your uh, chopping down the Redwood point from earlier. Mm. It's like, yeah, he had three massive swings, but it was a smaller swing that knocked it over. He's out on his feet, and then it's just like, yeah, yeah it's the final tip over. But as far as Tawei's jumping big boot goes, and he's such a tall, gangly man, you do, it's, it's a great move, but he looks awkward doing it, but in a good yeah, but, way. But way less awkward than Giant Baba. I think Baba looks at oh. Tawei and thinks, God, I wish I kind of had those proportions. <laughs> I wish I could feel my knees. <laughs> I wish I could have arms that were thicker than twigs, you know? Yeah. Although... Because Tawei is obviously positioned as, dressed as, has similar yeah. haircut to Giant Baba. So he was never of... pitched as Giant Baba's son. Unlike son, a big show. He was, he was definitely like his disciple. Well, he was more Saruta's yeah. disciple, but you don't dress him in all red. Especially, you know, given that in all Japan you basically have your colours and you stick with them. Yeah. Almost, you know, the only one that we saw change it slightly was Kawada. He went from, like, white and black tiger, you know, 
tiger prints to blue and yellow, yellow. and then to yellow and black that he black. stuck to from like 92 onwards or 91 onwards. Masawa yeah. just had green and white. Kabashi's always orange and Tawe's always red. Yeah. Ah, and it's... Yama remains blue. It's just weird though. Like it, you're right about Tawe, like just being like a better. But it's, you'd st- there's still something about like you, the, the people's first impressions. That like, if I walk down a dark alleyway and on one hand saw Tawe and one hand saw Baba, you'd pick Tawe. Like just on, on, on like looking at a visual aesthetic, like if they were in their peak. Mm. Tawe was never like a great. Like, he was never someone that took his exercising or anything like that seriously. Apparently, yeah. like Ta- uh, Baba was coming over for a dinner or something, and it is like a sitcom. Oh no, the boss is coming over! <laughs> so Tawe like put out all of his weightlifting equipment. He was meant to be doing all these exercises, and he doesn't do any of them. And Baba shows up, and I think it's Tawe's son or something that just says, "Dad, why have you brought all the exercise equipment?" Out? <laughs> Just utterly dopped in. <laughs> Thing is, though, he, he does look good, then, even though... He... Then Tawai gave his kid a don-don. <laughs> <laughs> Onto his mum's apron. <laughs> Just no, It's not the same apron. It doesn't work, Akira. Shut up. <laughs> so we've spoken a fair bit about Tawai. I think we've come to gradually... Like, I, I kind of went in on the whole thing of, like, is he the Ringo star of wrestling? And... A, Ringo Starr isn't the Ringo Starr of the Beatles sometimes. Well, he is, but, you know, he's not... You know, it's the, like everyone... You know, that quote that John never said, I don't think. Uh, oh, that um, Ringo's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. Yeah, I don't think John ever said that. Um, and if he did, it was during one of his arsehole periods, of which there were many. <laughs> um, but it's not true. Ringo was a brilliant drummer. He just wasn't a showy drummer. He didn't make it all about him. Yeah. Similarly, Tawai doesn't really make it all about him. He's to service of the match. Um, You can argue that that, that he kind of lacks the charisma, even though ultimately, except for... uh, Kabashi and Kawada are more expressive. Yes. Whereas Tawai and Masao are more reserved, but Masao obviously just has that aura of superstardom around him. Ah, yeah, Masao's just got it, you know? Like, he doesn't need to scream or shout. People aren't naturally drawn to him. Hmm. So, well, I, let's we'll just wrap up with the match. I'm not giving it five stars. It's good fun, but it's not. It's it's a step down. Very. Uh, it's definitely a step down from the second match, which is one of the matches I've given five stars, and I think it's. Uh, I think it's one of maybe my favorite tag team match after the Kabashi, Masawa Kawada Tawe match. I have given it five stars. You're giving this one five. However, stars? I don't think it. Yes. Uh, however, I don't think it'll poach. A top ten spot or anything I'm surprised, like that. Because I think you gave the middle one like not five stars. The one I gave five stars, you didn't give five stars to. Mm. I'm not quite sure. I think I, I was sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we. I don't know if we're just like on a subconscious level, just looking for different things, or mm. I I just caught this match. So in what the did right you? Well, way. I feel like I've overwhelmed you then by this. Like I thought it was going to be, we were both going to be fairly dismissive. Like I wouldn't even say it's that close to five stars for me i don't know i just didn't i felt like it was missing extra ingredients that like the epicness of the middle masawa akiyama tawe kawada match and especially the masawa kabashi kawada tawe match had Mm. just didn't have anything close to that to me i just really enjoyed the pacing of the match and the way 
everything seemed to neatly flow into each other. It's weird how we almost take little things like that for granted now uh, when looking at these guys wrestle. Uh, like, just like getting the little, a lot of the little stuff right. Like, you don't see that a lot in just wrestling in general. And because we're, ha- because we're in, imbibing in a veritable smorgasbord of um, elite level wrestling, uh, in the eyes of Dave Meltzer, it's, I don't know, maybe we're taking like, uh, do you ever think we take slightly things for granted just because we're looking at like what's meant to be like elite level stuff? Well, yes and no. Um, uh, can you, is imbibing's drink, right? Yeah, I know. I and the Schmorgensburg is sandwiches. Yes. You drink sandwiches. Not wrong with that. <laughs> these people juice anything these days. Um, <laughs> I just juice Robinson. Not entirely. Right? I think. I think we're definitely being a lot stricter on the five stars than Meltzer is, obviously, because we've given barely a dozen of the first sixty. So we're like yeah. going at like a one, <clears throat> going like a twenty percent ratio to Meltzer. <laughs> uh, but I think that's partly because. Well, I think one of the reasons is because we're not going to allow ourselves the notion of six stars and seven stars. So I think we're going by there needs to be maybe even higher standards than that. That's kind yeah. of yeah, and we and we have the benefit of hindsight and everything. And also, you know, if you're not what you know, if you know the result, then ultimately there's always going to be a little bit of detachment. That's yeah. That's why I try and actively avoid that, except situations where it's already happened or matches I've already seen. Um, I don't think... Uh, no, I don't think we are being ruined by it because we, we, we appreciate that, especially on a storytelling perspective, a lot of modern-day wrestling is really lacking mm. compared to these ones. So I think the fact that we've become such huge fans of the All Japan style that neither of us had any kind of encyclopedia... And obviously we don't still have encyclopedic knowledge. I've watched a bit more than you have insofar as I've watched some and I don't think you've ever watched any. No, not prior to this. Um... But I just no because we given the ones that we have given five stars to have almost all been the all Japan stuff like uh, like just looking at our previous top ten um, for up to well um yeah list sixty I've got one two three four five six of my top ten are all Japan matches for you one two three four all of your top four. Are all Japan matches five, six, seven? Seven of your ten are five star matches from all Japan, including your top four. And that's before we factor in these other matches that subsequent to that you've given five stars, which include um, the act that 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 most recent Akiyama uh, Masawa Kawada Tawai match. Um, mm. I, like I said, I'm just surprised. I just think it's interesting that we. Uh, it's worth investigating maybe further in down the line why it's almost like like maybe we could almost do a live commentary at some point down the road of these three matches and try to understand why you think this match is five stars why I think the second match is five stars and why you think the third match is five stars yeah uh, it might be worth later later analysis maybe that could be a follow up like not immediately after we've done this list we're gonna take ourselves a nice little break. <laughs> 
right after we went, if you're wondering what's going to happen with Let Me Tell You Something right after this uh, series ends. Um, but we're definitely coming to the end of it. I mean, how do you feel about the fact that this run of four matches now are the last ones with All Japan? Then we have two of the next three are Noah matches. And then it's no more. You know, this is yeah. this, like this is the last Kawada Tawai match you're going to get to watch without adding to your already heavy load for the rest of the next six months of matches. Mm. Like, how does that make you feel? Like, you're not going to watch another Kawada Tawai match for this series anyway. Yeah, because I feel like we obviously we covered Tawai a lot. We haven't really spoke about. Well, I mean, Kawada. we've already given him the best match so far. Yeah, we've definitely talked about him a lot, especially in in relations to his rivalry with Misawa. True, but uh, going in about midway through, I said I would have missed Kawada a lot more than I'd have missed Tawe. It's about equal now in terms of like how much I'll miss them both. Um, I still miss Fushi. I'd, I'd kill to <laughs> see. I think oh, I, I, I will recreationally look up some more Fushi stuff. I'd love to see what he does in the singles environment. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking we need to look up some uh, Fushi Kikuchi matches. Yeah. That might be an idea. Um, <clears throat> but no, is, is it, like, this is this were one of the main reasons I wanted to do this, is to expand my horizons. And it, it's it's sad now because I, 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 I'm saying goodbye to these guys in terms of this list, I will go back to them, but obviously there's only so much wrestling a man can watch. <laughs> Here's an interesting one we could watch at a later date, maybe. The British Bulldogs and Soyoshi Kikuchi. Kikuchi getting to partner with his all-time hero, Dynamite Kid, against Masanobu Fushi and those sheep herder fa- fighters, the Fantastics. That'd be interesting. I'm assuming Fantastics are doing like heel work there. Well, the Fantastics actually were, were regulars in All Japan during this whole period that we're covering. But they were in the sort of all-Asia tag team uh, ranks. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, again, size being a factor for them. So I yeah. think they had a fair few matches with Furness and Crawford, though. So See, there's another team that I'd love to see more of. Mm. Well, we'll reserve that for, for the Kabashi talk later on. And we talked about Tawai. Kawada... I think Kawada's maybe one of the most emotionally involving wrestlers you've seen. Like, he's so... Like, a lot of people say that he's the greatest seller in wrestling. Yeah. And, like, there's a moment in this one, right early on in the match, where he, it, it, he sells surprise really well. Like, he, Masawa hits him with an elbow in this match, and he just sort of crumbles yeah. to the mat. That there's a... That it's not just all flat-back bumps, although sometimes he'll do that, like, be hit with a strike and take an unexpected flat back bump off of it and and really show like he was he's always even though he so much of like the whole fighting spirit thing is about displaying your toughness it seems mm. like i'll be very interested when we talk about like the shibata ishii match that loads of people love it seems like it's almost a weakness for them to look hurt yeah masawa in every trade off he's in sort of eventually looks hurt I remember seeing a great one where he's like, trade. I think it's with Hase, uh, Hiroshi Hase. I might be wrong there. But I remember seeing this like years ago, early days of the internet, not YouTube. It was like in a music video or something like that. A little like fan edit music video. And he trades slaps with Hase. And he's going to hit him with a slap. And then just it's like he realizes how much he's hurt his wrist from a previous slap. And he's not able to continue. But you look at like, 
a lot of modern day strike exchanges, it's yeah, it's it's kind of kids in the playgrounds play saying, "I'm <sighs> Ali Bali, I can't go down to you." Yeah, it's like, like um, especially like Shibata and Ishii and um, Owen and, and Zayn eventually. Yeah, Owen oh, and Zayn doing oh, the Owen hockey punches. Maybe, but um, you know yeah. what I mean though. When they come together and there's wailing for ages. But that's slightly different because that is the hockey culture where they're just punching, 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 punching. Whereas this is like you're getting hit and you're not going down. Like you're getting, yeah. getting, you know. I mean, it reached its apex of depending on whether you say epicness or silliness in a, a Tokyo Dome match between Kabashi and Sasuke. Where I think they spend just like three or four minutes chopping each other in the chest. Jesus. Um. I like obviously when we get in particular when we get to the the Shibata match that retires him against Kazuchika Okada. That'll be another thing. I think also like I say we we we've already started to see this this King's Road style sort of start to jump the shark with that Masawa Kawada ninety seven yes. match. So. Maybe that's one thing that makes you that's made you slightly less like like tau, love Tawei more because he hasn't really ever got into the head dropping business. Yeah, potentially he taken really any head drops, and he's not really dished out that many head drops. Mm. Well, he has. I think he's just got his presence mm. and his move set just allows him to uh, stand out to be different. I tell you what it is with Kawada as well. He plays the bully, but he plays the complex bully. Yeah. Like, the reason that he is the way he is is because of jealousy and bitterness. Mm. And the, he's always so eager to get into a fight with Masawa, but almost every time, Masawa ends up triumphant. Yeah. What I do like about Koala, just to go back to how he sells surprise, was when, in the first Akiyama match, when Akiyama started getting some moves in against him, how he was just like, this shouldn't be happening. Yeah. And and just he gets that intensity across. Like he was the, especially in the first of the um, six man tags that really sort of started our love for all Japan stuff. I suppose mm. his hatred towards Tawei in particular. But then when he would, you know, he would also he also clearly had hatred for Fushi and Saruta as well <laughs> in just different kinds of ways. Fushi he saw as an annoyance. Tawei he saw as a traitor. And Sarutri saw as that old man that's stopping him. You know, he's he probably is like all the teachers that pissed him off at school. That's what yeah. Saruta was. <laughs> you know? Ah, So, yeah, the, and, and that was one thing that, the you know, a lot of people argue that the Holy Demon Army are the greatest tag team of all time. And they do carry themselves with that sort of, they just know how it works. Mm. They they are a team. Whereas Masawa and Kabashi and Masawa and Akiyama and later on Masawa and Ogawa are like a collection of part you know it's not yeah it's a temporary thing whereas it feels like kawada and tawai are like joined knitted together even though obviously they started off despising one another as well mm. that's why it works on an even level it's like kawada came around to tawai's way of thinking it's like mm. ah this guy's a dick and well, i'm never gonna be able to be him kawada needed a partner and maybe tawai was like well it's probably better to be on not be on the receiving end of these hits <laughs> I'm tired of being kicked in the head. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's just, like I said, Kawada's got that great anger and uh, Ill, Ill discipline. 
in his character. He's and the one that, when we first started watching the Six Mans and stuff, he was, I think, the one that excited me the most. Mm. Uh, he's the one that caught my eye the most initially, due to just his venomous striking. Yeah, but it's not just posturing. Like, a lot of guys do it and kind of just want to look tough. Yeah. And Kawada looks tough, but he also looks weak. You know, he had to be able to keep be willing to keep losing to Masawa on screen and always be mm. that second. Whereas so many of the guys that took that King's Road style, especially that you see, and you know, and honestly, in many ways they're guilty of it. Guys like Samoa Joe, you know, he does the Kawada kicks and the stretch plums. Like there's tons of stuff that just Samoa Joe flat out stole from Kawada, really. <laughs> but where's Joe's the two tone as well? Joe's never willingly looked weak or done much about looking weak Still, is that is that bravado on his part like and, and loki as well loki also did the kawada kicks and the strikes and everything yeah never was willing to look bad and, and always was like really resentful when he'd be booked to you know he was he was incredibly political on the independence scene re- refusing to lose to people famously refusing to lose to claudio castagnoli the six foot four ripped built claudio castagnoli because five foot eight 140 pound loki doesn't think that looks realistic okay you know so i think people took certain things of kawada but maybe didn't take the humility as a performer as well Mm. that sounds i don't know i wouldn't say say that to joe and loki's face no (laughs) I, i don't think joe has that problem i think joe was just in a position where you look at the frame of Joe and people are like, oh, he hits that hard and he has that frame. But what I'm saying though, Simon, is that he, he'll take the loss, he'll take the bumps and he'll take the falls, but he's never... I don't think Samoa Joe could convincingly do a long storyline with an old, with a, with a Masao-esque figure that just always has the best of him. Hmm. Maybe because he was never put in that position, but I'm not, I've never seen anything from him that makes me believe that he would. Uh, I mean, closest. And that's partly his character. Yeah. But a lot of what modern indie wrestling and, and the no selling culture is, is more almost like kids in the playground and no one wants to be the one that loses. And yeah. they always have, you know, uh, lightning bolts. I have lightning bolt resistant clothing. <laughs> Nuh uh. You know, all that. All that bit in Peep Show. Magic spell. Revive. Fuck off! Yeah. Fuck off you! I use revive! Lightning bolt! Lightning bolts! Like, they've taken... Like, they say that... Kawada looks so amazing in defeat, and, and you know... He had to lose that match with Masao. Well, I don't know, because... I don't know. Because Kawada does ultimately get wins over Masao. He beats him in the Tokyo Dome, the first uh, All Japan Tokyo Dome match, I yeah. think, is where he finally gets either his first or his second win over Masao. In a, in a singles match, um, and of course, Kawada famously, when when Noah and when the Noah Exodus happened, he was one of only two people from that uh, natives to stay with the promotion. The other one being the Shithouse Fushi. Um, and frankly, the reason for that was he kind of already saw the writing on the wall that he was going to not be the big name in Noah. That they were already yeah. Masao was already grooming. Kabashi and Akiyama to take his place at the top and Kawada was never going to so therefore Kawada was never going to be the top figure of Noah but if he stayed in all Japan where all the other top figures had just left mm, he could be the top dog in all Japan 
Um, then he kind of became a bit of a freelancer for a while. He did face off against Masao one last time in the Tokyo Dome at Noah. I'll give you ten points if you can guess who won that one. <laughs> was it Masao? It was Masao. You get ten points. Delightful. Um, it takes something to, to be known so much for who you kept losing to. The only other person that really you can match that with is Tommy Dreamer. Uh, and maybe at a stretch, Jerry Lynn. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. It's difficult to think of another example. I mean, you've got Austin beating Rock at their first two WrestleManias, but that was only three matches. The Rock you know, was a guy on who was the grand more stage. willing to lose. The Rock lost yeah. a lot for a guy in the headline position. But that's a, that's you can't really. It's apples and oranges, really. It is. Um, I guess arguably Naito with Okada. Well, we'll see how that pans out. That's still ongoing, you know. That's that story's not over. Yeah. Well, I just think you know, the King's Road style is 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 something that has a depth to it that maybe no other wrestling comes close to. Mm. People have taken. It's kind of like, and people have sort of taken the lessons that Quadrant. They've, they've, they're a lot of the people that are doing the King's Road. They're doing ninety-seven Masawa Kawada as opposed to ninety-four Masawa Kawada. Yeah. Or, or, or ninety-four, ninety-five Kabashi Masawa Kawada Tawe. Well, who's really got the skill set to do ninety-four? A lot of people have the physical ability, but they don't. And I, 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 no, I didn't say physical ability. I said skill set. That's a very well, different thing. Well, skill set is physical ability, and and also um, discipline in how you tell a story. Storytelling discipline. Yeah, it's it's knowing the, it's knowing how to read crowds. It's knowing nuances. It, yeah, but also the crowds now have also taken the wrong lessons. I think you know the crowds that chant "This is awesome" to anything. Yeah, although... And it also always I, I, depends I, I, on that I, I, crowd. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you, give you a good example. A bit out there. You watched the 93 Survivor Series match between the Rock and Roll Express and the Heavenly Bodies. Those guys are having a great match. The crowd don't give a flying fuck. It's always down to the atmosphere and the, and the effect. That's one of the... See, like, the 94 match is so special because at the bell, the crowd is going ape shit. Yeah. Which they like, aren't it, actually. That was one thing I noticed in the '97 one. They they don't go ape shit at that bell. So it's obvious that there was something like truly special at that '94 point. I don't know. Like just lightning was I in the air. So. I guess so. It's, it's a difficult one because, because they had a number of five star matches. Uh, they had a number of singles matches, and Meltzer only gave two of them five stars, and only one of them seems to be a consensus. Maybe well, that was six stars. So he only gave one match five stars technically. Yeah, and and like I say, some people think that look at the ninety seven matches like the King's Road jumping the shark. I mean, we were definitely found some parts. You know, Quarter and Tower. I don't know. I don't know because then we have only one more match after that to compare it to, and they do. You gave it five stars, but I didn't think it was an exceptional version of that, even though it was a more. Discipline's not the right word, but slightly less intense. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like, look, Kawada might be involved in the best singles, six-man, and tag team matches I've ever seen. I'd have to think about it over time. 
Yeah. Um, not my favourites, but just the greatest I've ever seen. And Tawei's part of the tag and the six man. So are these guys... Because I was saying, is Tawei, I would say Tawei's an 8 out of 10 as a wrestler. Yeah. I'd maybe push it up to a 9. But like I said, I think if you dropped all four of those guys suddenly into New Japan or just pro wrestling today, Masawa, Kawada and Kabashi would all rise to the top. Well, maybe not Kawada, but that's just kind of more of his size and his look. Uh, and there are obviously so many people that he, you know are inspired by him, like Ishii's and, and that. Um, that he would look slightly less uh, special. Tawei, I just think, would be stuck in like a Hiroki Goto sort of position in the card now. Mm. I get what you mean because he's he's tall, but he's not stacked tall. He's not flashy. Yeah, he's, he's like his is the most basic move set out of all of the four. Hmm. And people are at his height now are just they're, they're more musclier. They're muscular. like muscular. There you go. Well, yeah, but people like Braun Strowman are doing nip ups now. Yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. the bar's higher. Yeah, Kawada may uh, Tawe in the modern day would probably actually have to use some of that weightlifting equipment more frequently. On defo, <laughs> it um, wouldn't be just gathering dust in the closet. So I think we've talked up our holy demon army. Just. Seek them out. We might. I think maybe we'll need to do further reflections on this over time. You know, we've got plenty of other debriefs and lists and that to to keep talking. Because I yeah. think even though I would not be shocked if come episode one hundred, there's still a fair few matches with with Kawada and Tawei still in there. Yeah, I'd be shocked if there weren't. To be honest. But anyway, if people want to get in touch with you, Simon. How can they do so? Uh, they can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Free for the number of times we've talked about this exact variance of this match. My name is Lorcan Mullen. That's L O R C A N M U W L A for the A in Kawada, and N for the N in uh, Don Don. He recovered. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Letterboxd, Facebook. If you put an at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Buy my book, Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan, available on Amazon for your ebook reading pleasures. Uh, get in touch with the show. It's lmtyspod at gmail.com. Uh, I think there's nothing much left to say except what we will be covering next in our final countdown of All Japan matches. But it's a first for the All Japan matches, as it's the first time that Mitsuhara Masawa and Kenta Kabashi are in a match on opposing sides. Not only are they on opposing sides, they are the only ones involved. It is a singles match for the Triple Crown, where Masawa is the challenger against the recently crowned Triple Crown champion in his first reign of Kenta Kabashi. Misawa goes in as the challenger, but Kabashi goes in looking to get his first singles win over Misawa. So there's just so both, both men are uh, salivating. They need this. Both men yes, need it's a win. Both men need. But until then, there's nothing left to say except my name's Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five star time. Until the next time. Sky. Oh, the star. The sky is looking beautiful tonight.